Hi, Adela here. Welcome to the Podcast Brunch Club podcast. In this episode, I sat down with NPR reporter Robert Smith. He worked on the Planet Money episode that we listened to as part of the July podcast playlist on money. You can find that playlist at podcastbrunchclub.com slash money. We featured an episode from Planet Money called Episode 553, The Dollar at the Center of the World. I hope you enjoy the conversation. So thank you so much, Robert, for joining me on the Podcast Brunch Club podcast. It's my pleasure. So let's start off by you giving our audience a little bit about your background and how you ended up as a reporter for Planet Money. Well, I have been a radio reporter my entire adult life. I mean, I started in college radio. I started volunteering at a radio station in Portland, Oregon, and they threw me into the newsroom and I've covered everything since then. Uh, protests, politics, sports, um, a little bit of science. But eventually I, I made it to New York City for NPR as one of the general assignment reporters. And Planet Money was born here in the New York office of NPR. And they were doing such fun things that pretty soon after they started, I went on over and joined up with them, knowing nothing about economics. And uh, It's a great way to learn. It is a great way to learn. And in fact, one of the keys in podcasting and in reporting in general is to be genuinely curious about something. So you don't have to know the answers. You just have to come up with good questions. Yeah. I always think about that. I feel like I, I, I should have majored in journalism because I am. I, I'm like a jack of all trades, master of none. I'm interested in a ton of things, but I don't think I'll ever be an expert in any one thing just because I couldn't, I couldn't pigeonhole myself like that. I'm too interested in Lots of different things. Well, I think most people here at NPR didn't major in journalism. You know, uh, the, the actual techniques of journalism you mm -hmm. can pick up on the job. But the sort of being able to figure out what are important questions, what are not important questions, how to research, how to, uh, you know, be outgoing and, and meet people and throw yourself in the middle of, of things that are happening in the world to, you know, if you're the kind of person who asks to see the kitchen in a restaurant and asks a bunch of dumb questions, like, that's all you need to be a journalist. Speaking of that curiosity, so in terms of, as you know, we we as Podcast Brunch Club listened to your episode on this, the dollar at the center of the world. And there, there was one part that I'm super curious about. There was a part where you actually knocked on the door uh, of, I think it was room 219 at Bretton Woods, and there was a woman that was staying there. And the reason you wanted to go in was because that was where John Maynard Keynes had stayed during that meeting back in the 40s. And I want to hear, is there a story behind that? Did you prep that woman that you were going to be knocking on her door? Or was that a staged, you know, a staged thing? No, not at all. I mean, we got there to the hotel, Zoe Chase and I, and we, we wanted to see everything and do everything. And we knew we were going to try this. So we went up there and luckily there was someone behind the door. We would have kept trying because we knew we wanted to see this room because we had this story about the room. And uh, yeah, we were just rolling our, our microphones and recorders and knocked on the door. And the woman was great. We fully expected her to slam the door in our face. But um, yeah, she didn't. She, just she was didn't. Like, yeah, sure. She was on vacation. <laughs> she was just having a fine old time. And uh, the rooms are gorgeous there, I should say. And I'm, I'm so glad we got to see it. And, and we did that a bunch that didn't appear in the episode, actually, where we spent time in the various bars because there's a lot of okay. drinking 
yes. in the podcast, but we don't have any tape of us drinking, although we did. Uh, <laughs> we drank on tape. We fun. talked about the bars. We talked about the music. I, I ran up and down the stairs, I remember, because there was this story that John Maynard Keynes may have had a heart attack from running up and down the stairs too much at the conference. Mm. So... <laughs> Literally, like yeah, we're and recording, drinking and eating yeah, and staying up late, and exactly. All that, yeah. And so I mic'd myself. You could hear me huffing and puffing up and down the stairs. And you just record all of this stuff because you don't know what you're going to need when you come back to tell the story. And you just right. want as much stuff and as much action as possible. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you didn't give yourself a heart attack. That would have not been a great end to that story. <laughs> yeah, there was a whole uh, interview we did about the table because they the the table still exists or the room where they met still exists. And we talked to a historian there about the table. We walked by and looked at all the different photos on the walls and we narrated what we saw in the photos on the walls. It's just all raw material. And then, so I'm going to get a little technical here. So you go sure. out there, you grab all this, all this audio, you do these interviews, you kind of get this, I don't know if this is called B, B roll or whatever, this sort of extra tape. And then how much, do you participate in the the putting it all together part where you somebody's splicing it up and chopping it up and putting it all in the order that it ends up in? Oh, that's exactly what we do. So Zoe and I came so back. So you do it from start to finish? Yeah, yeah. So Zoe and I came back wow. from, uh, the story was Zoe Chase's idea because she'd heard the anniversary was coming up. We traveled up there together in a car and then we were booking historians in the car, you know, calling them up arranging interviews with them. We did the whole thing in one day at the hotel. And then we came back and we listened to all of the tape. You go back and go through everything and you pull the little bits, the cuts we call them, that uh, are fun or funny or illustrate some example. And then we mm -hmm. pulled interviews from the historians and then we write the script around it. And then we get the whole team together, all of Planet Money uh, at the time, probably 10 people. We all sit in a tiny little room and we just tell them the story and play them the cuts we're going to play. And then they say, no, it's boring. It's confusing. Uh, it doesn't make any sense. And we, we tear it up. And so lo okay. looking back at it, one of the things that we clearly decided at the last minute in order to tell the difference between the two characters, John Maynard Keynes and Harry Dexter White, I was essentially John Maynard Keynes. So anytime we talk about John Maynard Keynes, it's me talking. Mostly oh. because I think I'm a little bit more uh, flamboyant and I identify with John Maynard Keynes. Uh, Zoe Chase really loved Harry Dexter White. So she sort of plays him, tells his part of the story. And that just helps okay. when you have two hosts so you don't get lost in who we're talking about at any one time. That's really interesting. Yeah. I'm going to have to go back and listen again because I don't think I noticed it, but I'm sure it does help the listener without them even realizing it. Yeah, you want to sort of play characters a little bit. And it's it's hard in a historical story. I mean, you have historical tape, yes. You have historians. Luckily, there was a place we could visit to add some action. But it, it, it also can, you can zone out a little bit because it starts to sound like a Wikipedia entry, you know, if you have mm -hmm. too much details about history. So um, anyway, we can just make this seem like this rivalry is sort of yeah. still alive and well and going on, even though both men have passed away. And so by kind of inhabiting their characters a little bit, we can, I don't know, at least keep the feeling alive. Yeah, it's all about storytelling. So it was, you, you know, you guys did a great job of kind of telling that story Thanks. and bringing it back to life. Thanks. You're welcome. 
So I'm sure you've done reporting on all sorts of things. So I guess my question for you is, like, had the results of Bretton Wood, the Bretton Woods meeting gone in the favor of John Maynard Keynes, do you think things would be, how different do you think things would be today? Like, would the U.S. economy be, be as strong as it is? What would the differences be? That, that is a really tough question. Because, I mean, obviously, the currency issue was important. But there's all these other things that, made America sort of strong economically, the largest economy in the world. You know, we didn't have to rebuild after World War II. Uh, We have a stable government. We have innovation. We're growing. So even if John Maynard Keynes had won and there was some sort of international currency and and people weren't using the dollar around the world, if there was this, whether whatever the unicorn or the bank core, whatever you wanted to call it, this this (laughs) one world currency, if that had happened, I think the United States would still be incredibly strong economically. There are some things that might be uh, a little different, you know, uh, because we have the world's major currency, we can borrow very cheaply here in the United States. Lots of people want to buy our debt, our U.S. Treasury bills. So we've been able to spend maybe more as a country than we would have been able to do otherwise. Because the rest of the world uses dollars and they want to buy our treasury bills. Uh, in other words, they want to lend us money. So, so that might have affected things. But uh, I don't know. I just have a hard time believing that everyone in the world could stick to one currency. It was a great dream. But I don't know if John Maynard Keynes had figured out exactly how it would work. Because it was a universal currency. And so it seems a bit more egalitarian than you know, pegging it to one nation's currency. And you still think it would have been a hard thing to pass? I think it would have been difficult. I think it would have been difficult because by creating this one world currency, even if it was more of a technical thing that didn't really affect people's lives and everyday thing, it was a sort of unit of accounting Mm -hmm. for the world, it would still have this weird feeling like who's benefiting from it? Who's in control of it? And... Mm -hmm. You know, it's always hard in the world for everyone to agree on on anything, much less who controls the one world currency. And so even though people use the dollar around the world, it's not mandatory. You don't have to. It's just convenient uh, the way the system was set up. So I, I do think I do think it would have been hard to pull off. Yeah. And that I mean, that brings me to my next question, which is where do you think the future of currency is headed? I mean, a lot of the things that I'm hearing you talk about today and some of the things that you were talking about in the podcast really get me thinking about cryptocurrency. And that's one of the one of the podcast, the other podcast episodes we're listening to this month is about uh, Bitcoin. You know, I'd love to hear what your take on the future of currency is. Well, I mean, I'm just I'm not a huge believer in the promise of cryptocurrency. I mean, I think it's an amazing technology. I think it's interesting. I think it's fascinating. People can make a bunch of money on it. They can lose a bunch of money on it. But for something to be a true currency, it has to be stable, which US dollar is, uh, the euro is, the British pound sterling is, and it has to have something behind it. So the US dollar didn't just get to where it is because of what happened at Bretton Woods. It is backed up by the power of the U.S. government to levy taxes on its people. And it's backed up by the the fact the U.S. government always pays its debts. So, you know, if everything goes wrong in the world, it comes down to what is behind a currency. 
And cryptocurrency, yes, there you know there are people who need to use it for secrecy purposes. There are criminals who use it. That's a sort of last case resort. But I I, I do think that you need to have something powerful behind it. But that's just that's just my opinion. I mean, I could be totally wrong. But you know, the cryptocurrencies go up and down so quickly. It would be scary to keep your net worth in that. It would be scary to try and go out to lunch today based on the right. price of Bitcoin. Yeah, it's something that I think is just so, I don't know, so complicated that I think most people just have a hard time really understanding it. It'll be interesting to see what the future brings because, you know, technology changes so quickly and people change so quickly. I don't know, for me, and there's so many out there, you know, there, Bitcoin is just one of many I just can't wrap my head around it, but it sounds interesting. Sure, I mean, I wouldn't sure. put all my money in it, but I might, <laughs> I sure. might buy a little bit. And someday, someday those things may sort themselves out and there may be one that emerges as a, as a stable currency. But I have to say, if you live in the United States of America, the U.S. government is going to require you to pay taxes in U.S. dollars. That's where the strength of the U.S. dollar comes from in some part because you need it to pay your taxes. So we may be using cryptocurrency in the future in 20, 30 years for almost everything, but you may still need U.S. dollars to deal with the U.S. government, which you have to do every day in some way or another. It'll be interesting. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So much for you guys to keep your your eyes on and report on. So sure, it's super hard It'll to explain though. It's, it's hard to do cryptocurrency stories because you have to spend half of the episode just explaining again how the blockchain works and the theory behind it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've heard that little spiel, that thirty minute spiel of explaining how the blockchain works many times, and I still don't get it. <laughs> so it's. It seems so complicated, and it's just probably one of those switches that I just have to kind of like, I don't know, it's it's almost like a paradigm shift that I just, I think I'm too old for. (laughs) Maybe I just can't switch my brain like that. So before we wrap up, I wanted to ask you one final question, and then I ask of all of our guests, and because Podcast Brunch Club meetings all over the world happen, and they usually end with people trading recommendations, I try to ask our guests, you know, if they have a recommendation for the community um, and whether there's, if, you know, within that podcast, is there an episode that we should start with? So I was just down in Australia for an Australian audio conference and uh, became obsessed with all the different uh, podcasts that are popular down there. And everyone kept saying, oh, you have to listen to this podcast called People Movers. People Movers, which is about escalators, like the the moving the moving stairs. Yeah. And okay. and they they said it was started by this woman who was just obsessed with it. And I started to listen to it. And it's not clear at the very beginning if it's a joke or not, a multi-part okay. podcast about escalators. But she's so sincere about it and so funny that I'm just totally enjoying it as this as this sort of podcast of of love, really. And all these questions she has about escalators, which when she brings them up, I'm like, oh, I, I actually have that question too. So it's called People Movers, and you can start with episode number one, Escalator Basics. Oh. It's interesting. I know. Wow. Well, it's also hyper specific. Yeah, it's also nice because you know I work at a big organization, NPR, and a lot of podcasts are coming out of big organizations now and networks, and right. I I. I do miss sometimes those sort of 
passion projects that people have where they're just like, yeah. I don't care if anyone listens to this. This is what I'm obsessed with. And I'm finding it delightful. I'm listening to it right now. I'm going to have to add that to my subscription list. Thank you. So I want to thank you. But before we, I let you go, can you just tell people where they can find you, Twitter, Facebook? Sure. Uh, I am at Radiosmith, at R-A-D-I-O-S-M-I-T-H. You can find me on Twitter. Instagram, I probably communicate better on Instagram than anything else. Great. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time and for you taking, you know, and talking to us about this really interesting topic. Oh, it's my pleasure. My pleasure. It's great. Thanks for listening. If you have any feedback, you can email me at adela at podcastbrunchclub.com. Also, think about joining an in-person chapter. We have over 40 on five continents now. Or at least subscribe to the newsletter. That way you can get the playlist in advance and you can listen along. Stay tuned for more episodes featuring hosts and creators from the Money Podcast playlist. Thanks and happy listening. Hey everyone, this is Steve. I'm the leader of the Minneapolis Podcast Brunch Club and I'm here with a little housekeeping. The music you heard this month on the PBC podcast and interviews is from an amazing resource called freemusicarchive.org. This episode in particular features the artist Audio Binger with their song City Lights. Podcast Brunch Club is organized by Adela, who continues to rock every day. And the PBC podcast is edited by me, Stephen Zampanti. You can connect with me and see what I'm working on on my website, conceptualpodcasting.com. Thanks again for listening. <laughs>